Welcome to the Friendly Fire Show, episode 135. It's for the first week of April. I'm really bad with dates. Probably the 2nd of April. I'm Steve from Survivor. I'm Ben from Survivor. And that's it. That's all that will ever be. We're never having a guest, Ben. We're not good enough. That's fine. Let's just move right along then. We've accepted it. Good. We're here. Done. Uh, what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing nothing new uh, since <laughs> our last show. So, what have you been playing? Um, a lot of stuff that uh, I don't care a lot for mm. in various ways and shapes. Uh, I want to start talking about Yo- Yoshi's Crafted World because you've played the demo. Yoshi? I've heard Yoshi. of uh, Yoshi before. I've never heard of Yoshi. Anyway. That one. <laughs> Moving along. I would like to talk about that one. I have played the demo. Uh, what did you think of it from the demo? Uh, well, you can't really gather that much. A lot of people complain that it was a little bit too easy. You can't really pick that up from the demo because it's such a short level. But, you know, I liked it. It's a cutesy game. It's very Nintendo. It's an SD-only game, which is an odd choice this at this point in the generation. Hmm. Cutesy is a really good way to put it. Um, it's overly cute for no real reason. I, well, I guess that's the whole point of it. It's used to be like Woolen World, and now it's Crafted World, so it's Papercraft, and it's Yoshi, and that's what you get. But, um, yeah, it's... Very easy for about the first three quarters of the entire game. Um, and then there's some kind of neat levels where they put like Japanese paper doors in front of the screen. So you're scrolling from left to right um, and you can't see where you're actually going for a bit of that. Like there's some cool challenges in there, but it, it feels like they're few and far between. And mostly it's just kind of nintendo phoning it in essentially well it's been their kind of, kind of a shame filler game for a while probably since yoshi's island on the snes which is great and i actually played it on the uh, classic mini console only last year and i made a joke on twitter that it was my game of the year because it's <laughs> actually really good uh but since then yoshi's kind of been nintendo's fill-in game it's kind of we need something here and they've always been different i think there were some touch only ones on ds if i recall and then you're right, they became a yarn thing. And they were still good games, but I think they kind of keep getting easier with each one forward. And Nintendo knows it's their filler game. Like, you know, they're not putting it out there to be a game of the year contender. They know it's just kind of filling a gap. Yeah. It does it okay. Like, competent is not like the best thing you could say about a game, really. Like, That's yeah, true. It's, it's a game. It it'll, does its thing. It'll be best remembered as Nintendo's, I think, first Unity game. I don't think they've had any before this. So I think you're right. But it kind of... um. It maybe shows why they don't have it as a, a platform, an engine of choice, because you're right. It It's not HD by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there's this kind of 2.5D setup where you're on the main path and you can either go to the foreground or the background of the game. But whenever you're in one of those three kind of lanes, things to the front and back just look muddy and cloudy and gross it looks horrible um like the switch just can't kind of compete with the likes of a current gen system and does its best and they kind of use some trickery here it always runs at 60 frames a second which is great but it's just really kind of soft and fuzzy otherwise well they're purposely using a blur for the background which is to hide that effect but when you move from the foreground to the background you can't hide it anymore and yeah, it actually looked jarringly bad to me. Like I was kind of put off 
Um, Once you notice it, you can't not can't see it. it, and it kind of ruins it for you from there on in. And and it's a shame because it is it's really pretty and stuff, and it, it's Nintendo, you know, doing that on purpose and kind of they've done that with other games and other consoles that they have that aren't quite up to scratch with not to this the level though. gen of the time but like most of their games are bright and colorful and they look great and they have some rough edges but you kind of don't notice that because the colors detract from it and it's still really stylish yeah. um but they're all on switch hd they're all hitting 720 at some point this isn't in handheld or docked mode it's below so we actually you know it's not a joke that it's not hd it's it's officially not so <laughs> almost sure. could run on a wii in terms of resolution it's only just above 480 i think it's five something pretty rather. much but i guess the good thing is if you if you play it in handheld mode it's not as noticeable so i guess don't play on your tv if you really want to play it and don't have that kind of issue as you're playing mm. uh it's it's really not as noticeable handheld but i guess that's the same for any game really it's so much smaller <laughs> yeah, that's lose the, some of that detail. That's the Switch's uh, thing. Let's look great in handheld mode, and we don't need to go as hard as as the uh, the docked mode version. So it's interesting what they'll do mm. moving forward in terms of that split. There you go. Uh, if you like Yoshi games, Yoshi games, or you have children, it's hard not to kind of recommend. But it's still just kind of more of the same, really. So. It is interesting that, that for the, uh, a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, the March games, you've got Yoshi on the super easy side of the spectrum, and then you've got Sekiro on the other, and they're the only two games I'm seeing people talk about at the moment, really. Uh, people saying Yoshi's too easy, and Nintendo should have told us that, and other people were saying Sekiro's too hard, and they should have told us that. Like, what did you people expect? That's what you get from these two things. I've never... Anyway. I'm, I've played about 10 minutes of Sekiro, and that was... 11 minutes more than i needed to know that i am not good at sekiro and shouldn't play sekiro so um i, I think that's it. as much as we're going to say about that game yeah uh something that i've been playing and been in a real love hate relationship with is generation zero mm. uh, i don't know if you know <coughs> excuse me uh much about it but it's kind of like a side project game by avalanche studios so while they were making uh while they are making rage 2 and they were making just cause 4 uh there was like a really small team um at avalanche who were making this and it's an open world uh adventure not a survival game it's not really a survival game but it's like an action adventure game with some survival elements but not the shitty ones where you need to like drink water and stuff anyway uh it's an open world game set in 1980s sweden uh and you are one or a group of teenagers because you can't play in co-op and you come back to the islands of Sweden and you find that it's been taken over by uh, nefarious evil robot machine things. Uh, and from there on in, it basically plays like a Fallout 3, but not set in a post-apocalyptic world, uh, you know, that's been cleansed by nuclear fire, but kind of just a, a world under siege. It's like tomorrow where the war began, but with robots. Is that a good way mm. to put it for Australians? Well, I've only played uh, 45 minutes of this game. Being the professional show we are, I put in a little bit of time to see what this game was. Like the Yoshi demo, you know. I just phone in 20 minutes and I get the gist of it. There you go. Uh, so how's I my setup? nailed it. Yeah, I think oh, you pretty much nailed it. I've, I'm a bit lost as to what I'm meant to be doing. Like, I find the objective markers aren't great. Um, oh, they're shite. And weirdly, like, I got a gun pretty early on, and I got a bunch of ammo, and I was like, oh, I guess this ammo doesn't go with this gun, because it's not giving me any in there. 
I had to go in the menu and like say assign to this weapon. Why wasn't that a default thing? Anyway, I don't know, but it took me a lot longer than you to figure that out. Uh, I don't know if you've realized you have a flashlight yet, but that comes in. Yeah, I got that. I found very it on a table I missed that tool yeah. tip. So I went through uh, four bunkers that were pitch black and I was finding emergency flares, which you're supposed to use to like lure enemy robots away from things you want to get to if you want to stealth it. And I was just firing those off so they provided enough light so I could stumble around in the dark and find like a power switch to turn on the power for the bunker. I did that four or five different times before I realized I could click down on the right stick and just turn on a flashlight. So uh, I'm stupid. Apparently that's not as, as hard to figure out as, as I thought. But you're right in that it doesn't give you a lot of direction, um, which after probably... 15 to 20 hours I'm actually really enjoying about the game um but I get when you're not used to it how annoying it could be um and I don't think Avalanche has done a very good job with the way that they've kind of directed quests um and also you know put markers down in the world so if you're going through this giant bunker and you need to find a single piece of paper it might make it a little bit easier for you to do that at some point well but, I'm coming in from the division which is gives you too much information and points you in the right direction probably too much of the time so it's too hard to go back to this i don't know what i'm meant to be doing you know it says find a farm or something okay great where's that like it could be anywhere yeah basically so you're either meant to stumble around until you actually like happen to you know find the farm sometimes they do have like maps and stuff that you can kind of look at and get a reasonable idea of what's going on but yeah it, it doesn't help you a lot um and that's where i've kind of resorted you know, to either posting location hints for people on Reddit or going and looking at what they've said as well. And it's that kind of thing that really reminds me of Fallout 3. Um, so it was kind of sort of back when the internet was still new-ish. Um, and there weren't obviously as many resources to go and find, but I kind of felt like I was playing Fallout 3 way back in the day with other people and kind of figuring out secrets and locations and stuff with other people who were eager in playing and kind of just felt like this weird sense of camaraderie with it. So I, I like that about it. Um, but at times in this game, it's just because things are so poorly designed, you need to kind of work with people and say, I just happened to stumble upon this. Maybe it will help you. Um, and yet still better than Fallout 76. So oh, massively. Done it. But and <coughs> the other thing that I've really struggled with in the game is that I'll just randomly fall through the world at points or a quest won't quite finish off the way it's supposed to or a quest won't kick off the way it's supposed to, so the rest of the quest you can't actually do. Like, that to me was very Fallout 3, especially with the DLC. When the DLC came out, you basically knew for a month or so it was going to be broken, so you shouldn't either worry about playing it so much, or you should just play with that in mind. Like, you know, this is going to be a pretty weird experience until they, you know, iron out the bugs. Um, and it's... A shame it's come out when it has because I don't want to forgive something like Fallout 76 for this type of issue, but because it's Avalanche and it's like a small team and, you know, I basically met all you know, like a handful of them when they came to E3 last year. Like I know how small the team was. I know what their aspirations are and I know that they have achieved quite a bit, you know, just with what they had. I, I will overlook the bugs because of that. I don't think that's a thing I should be doing at this point. I should be you know, either a game is ready to be launched and it launches or what are you doing? 
know, it's still got to um, be a complete game. Like falling through the world and uh, missions not completing is a big problem. Like, yeah, it needs to be uh, ready to play. And they're sort of, sort of responding to people using Reddit and using uh, their own website and stuff, but not as much as I would like. So I like, I still like the idea of the game. I still can't stop playing it. I'm having a lot of fun and I'm just kind of, if there's a, <coughs> excuse me, if there's a quest that I can't finish, I'm just going back to it later in hopes that it will work. And there's a giant map to explore. So it's not like you're ever left without anything to do. And if for some reason you have kind of finished all the quests that you possibly can, you literally just have to set off in a direction and you'll find a new settlement with a new kind of mission giver device inside of it. So there's tons of stuff to do. I like it. It's one of those weird ones where it's hard to recommend unless you know exactly what you're getting into. And if you think that that fits your play style, then go for it. Well, you haven't sold me, so <laughs> I don't know if I'll go back. It's it's interesting, but yeah, it's a bit too glitchy for me. Um, I don't think I have the time to invest in this another giant game like this. I'm giving it to the division. I don't know if I can do it to another game so soon. <coughs> Not a great time to launch in hindsight. Fair enough. Um, I have played Assassin's Creed 3, but I don't really want to talk about that. It's Assassin's Creed 3. I think we've all played it or have not played it because you had no interest in, you know, you either like it or you don't. It's HD-ified. Unless 4K. you have any questions. Okay. No, I have 4K. no question. I played it many years ago. Uh, I didn't mind it, actually. I know a lot of people didn't like it and said it was the Assassin's Creed they didn't like. So it would be interesting, you know, six, seven years later if people are kind of into it now. But probably not because we've overhauled so many mechanics. It's probably hard to go back to that older style. Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't want to talk about it, and here we go. Um, it did a lot of things good in that, like, it was the actual game that, you know, did the naval combat thing that led to Black Flag. It wasn't Black Flag that randomly just was the naval game. So we have three to thank for that. But it was that game where, like, you start off as um, Connor's dad and play basically, like, five or six hours as someone that you then just basically ditch. And then you play as son who has a fifth of the personality and you go to the sprawling plains of North America. So rather than like jumping and parkouring around through buildings, you're basically like in a field of snow. So it's it's a pretty weird, jarring thing that they did. And I guess that Ubisoft was trying to, you know, change the formula up. And maybe they got it right in some cases, but they got it wrong in a couple others. So it's it's a weird kind of game in that sense. They anyway, release like it just so every Assassin's Creed game is now on both current gen consoles because obviously it was backwards compatible on Xbox. Now it's on PlayStation. Yeah. They already <laughs> released the uh, Ezio trilogy. So it would just be the original Assassin's Creed which isn't on PlayStation now, right? I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, and the weird thing about like this is that this has Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation which was the Vita game that was a tie-in to Assassin's Creed 3. So that first came out on Vita. Then it didn't sell very well on Vita, so they called it Assassin's Creed Liberation HD for 360 and PS3. Yep. And now they've re-released it again, so it's it's weird. It's like, I'm not reviewing this in, in, in any great, great deal. Here's like the three reviews we've already written for these two games, plus the DLC. So there you go. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Why don't you tell me about Google Stadia? And <coughs> since we sure. definitely won't be playing it here, what can we expect other nations to be getting? 
after I die. I have this weird cough that will not go away after I've gotten rid of the stupid cold. And I went into the doctor because I know, not the doctor, I went to the pharmacy to get like an inhaler because I know that I just need to like puff on an inhaler for like three days and I'll be fine. But she decided instead she wanted to give me echinacea and I said no. Anyway, that was my weird story and tangent. I'm sorry I'm coughing. Google Stadia uh, is an internet streaming service that requires 25 megabytes down. So uh, that's about 12 more than I have. I think you could probably do it, Ben, but I'm I could stuffed. do that. Well, yeah. there you go. I'll come but I can't do that because uh, Google won't be launching in Australia. So, Oh, that's right. Because hardly anybody has internet that could support it. And I think they know that. So they're just like, bugger it. We're just going to do this in America. Uh, it's a cool idea, I guess. Uh, about a year ago, they did this weird test with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Ubisoft. Uh, and basically, people who did that test could play Odyssey in their browser using a controller of their choice. Uh, <coughs> and I guess we call a lot of things the Netflix of blah, blah, blah. Like Game Pass is the Netflix of getting games, but more like, I guess, the old school Netflix version where you got discs mailed to you, but this is the digital version. Anyway, Stadia, you basically don't have to download anything. You don't have to have anything but a screen to play a game on. You hit go and instantly you're playing the game and it's all well and good. The future. If if you have a supported location and enough internet. Um, and then there's some other elements like in terms of streaming. Uh, you can instantly hit a button and be on YouTube streaming. You can do save state. So if I click a button and kind of save my progress, I can send you a link, Ben, and you can click the link and instantly pick up playing in that same point, uh, same spot with the same conditions that I had. So there's some neat things to it, but we're never going to see this, for one. Maybe one day. I think the Netflix comparison is interesting because everyone's always going to say that they set up everything. But yeah. Game Pass is mostly old games and xbox first party games on there google's not going to have a big first party lineup so are we going to pay a subscription are we going to have to buy each game like i don't want to spend 100 bucks to buy a game that i play in my browser and can't play if my internet is dodgy so yeah how they're going to structure that that it only sorry to cut you off it only like works for games that stadia supports so like you can do the hit the button on the stadia thing and like stream it to everybody on youtube if you really want to but like if it's not Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Doom Eternal, which is another game that's going to support Stadia, it's not like you can do any of these things just out of the box. So it really depends how many developers take up those kind of things as well. Yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess. It's probably a while away from being well-formed and beyond those two games. Otherwise, they would have shown us a little bit more. Well, I think it's something that I'd rather see. And like, there's all these questions like, okay, well, good. I can't get rid of my Xbox because if I don't have an internet connection for a week, I can't play a video game because I 100% need the internet to get this. It's not like I can, like Netflix style, Ben, download TV shows to watch offline. Like you need to be online for this. So I don't know if we're quite there yet the other thing that we could do with half these things like save save state which actually is a really cool idea like if i come to my xbox after not playing it for two days and i open up the same game that i left off at when i stopped playing two days ago i don't have to reload the game and get into the menus and hit start like the xbox saves that state for you already so there's an aspect of that technology that's already kind of incorporated with next gen consoles or current gen consoles so 
I'd be surprised if we don't see the likes of Sony and Microsoft kind of doing some of that save state and other Stadia functionality just on their own platforms. And I'm cool. Well, I'm cool with that. Xbox will definitely. So they're probably happy that Google came out and announced first because they're kind of dripping along tidbits for Project S Cloud, but they haven't really said what it is. All they've said is you'll only need ideally. I I think what do they say? Ten megabytes, something like that. <clears throat> they said ideally ten, but they're getting it working on less than ten. Ooh. But with that in mind, Google's talking about twenty-five megabits <coughs> down for four K at thirty frames a second. I think. And they're yeah, like, so oh, in- we should be able to double that soon to get like eight K and da 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 da. It's oh, like, well, be good. calm down. We don't need that much resolution right That's now. That's what we I need, need on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Microsoft's going with. Project xCloud, which is basically their version of this kind of streaming thing. They're targeting 1080p. They're targeting, you know, playing a game on a phone screen so they don't need crazy resolution. And they're saying they can do it in less than 10, which, you know, to an Australian who probably has an average of 10, (coughs) excuse me, perfect. Yeah, well, it's interesting that they're going a different way because I would have thought that maybe next gen... Um, Xbox might have done what they were originally going to do this generation and use the cloud to kind of beef up the specs of the console, especially later on, because they could keep improving it. Instead of having an Xbox successor and then a Pro version or an X or whatever they call it and then another one, they could use their side to keep improving it without having to improve the base hardware. And if your internet drops out or something goes wrong, it could just downgrade again to the standard Xbox version of the game. Yeah, But it sounds like they're going the other way. They want you to have a powerful console and the cloud can be used to play at 1080. Yeah. Well, like the weird thing about the Project Cloud um, server farm, it's not like their normal Azure farm, which has whatever specs kind of PC wise. They're just using like modified Xbox One S boards for that reason. Like, like they're not trying to get crazy resolution and all this fancy bells and whistles and that kind of stuff. They're literally just trying to get an Xbox game running in 1080p on a screen. I suppose I cool. could add it later. They could release the next <laughs> Xbox and everyone's using their hardware initially. And then two years later, instead of releasing an X upgrade, they could say, now our, you know, our servers, our cloud is improved and can beef up the specs of your Xbox from our end. Yeah. It would well, cost them a lot to do that, but they could do that. The weird excuse they had when they were talking about the, the Project Cloud server farm is they didn't want to use Xbox One X boards as an example because they wanted to make sure people could buy Xbox One Xs without any issue. Like they didn't want to like take too much of that market away right now which i don't know if that's a great reason it seems kind of laughable i think microsoft probably has more xbox one x's than they know what to do with at this current uh point in time but that's what they said so that's interesting we'll go with that Hmm. interesting times so uh speaking of games that i don't really care about ben what was announced recently well, you wouldn't have heard it from me, but Borderlands 3 was the big game. I saw Randy Pitchford post a tweet saying he was asked in uh, the security line in an airport saying, do you like Borderlands? Because he was wearing his Borderlands hat. And he said, you could say that. What a nice, relaxed response. He didn't say, hey, I'm Randy. Don't you know who I am? Would you like me to do a magic trick for you? <laughs> well, that's a good story, actually. But we won't tell that now. <laughs> it's uh, Borderlands I 3. heard a lot of people saying, is this... 2Ks and basically their answer to Destiny and Anthem and The Division. And then a lot of people fight back saying, um, no, this game's from 2009, which is a fair comment. Those games were their answer to Borderlands, basically, but not with a yeah. four-player co-op spin. 
It's a looter shooter. It basically was, well, like Diablo probably is, I don't know if it's a shooter, but Borderlands was one of arguably the original looter shooters. Absolutely. It was a bit more co-op focused and less kind of always online-y, but yeah, it was an early version of it. And now absolutely it'll borrow off Destiny and maybe not Anthem, but The Division. Um, mm. And we'll see what they come up with because it has been a while since Borderlands 2, but I've never gotten into any of them in any meaningful way. And considering your Destiny love, I'm surprised you never have. It's the it's that kind of <coughs> toilet e humor, I think, that I just don't appreciate. And it's the same reason why I didn't like Sunset Overdrive as well. Like, I just don't. There's something about the humor that I've experienced in Borderlands that I just can't stand. It just rubs me completely the wrong way. And I just find myself rolling my eyes rather than having fun, if that makes sense. Mm. So, uh, and that trailer basically was that for me. So they spent two weeks teasing that something was going to be announced at PAX and eventually they issue this like three or four minute teaser and then promise more information in a week, which I really am quite sick of, to be honest, Ben, like if you're going to announce your game, just do it. But uh, I guess we'll find out more about Borderlands 3 shortly. Maybe Ice-T is going to be in it. Hopefully we'll get the uh, release date. Yeah, well, it'll be out this year, I'd say. I think we'll get all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm not super excited about it. Neither. Well, like maybe it'll surprise us. Maybe it will kind maybe. of tick that itch. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the humor. Like, I like the shooting mechanics at all. It's very competent. That's my, like, word of the day. But um, it's, yeah, I just, I don't like the humor. I don't think the characters are funny. I don't think it's edgy. It's just kind of just hits me the wrong way. Well, if you do decide to buy Borderlands 3, you won't be buying it as a digital code on PlayStation from JB Hi-Fi because Sony won't let you anymore. I suppose not. Um, which doesn't really bother me, I guess, when I was writing this up because I'd be you know, like, whatever, if I want to buy a digital game, I would just go to the PlayStation store where you still can. Um, and as you know, retailers have been very quick to point out, you can still go into a JB or an EB and buy digital gift cards to be used on the PlayStation store. Um, yep. but what people were telling me and that I didn't really factor this in is if I wanted to buy you a birthday present, Ben, and you were dead set on Borderlands three for Sony PlayStation. Um, if I wanted to really really personalize my gift and buy you specifically a digital copy of Borderlands three, there's no uh, current way to gift a game like that on the PlayStation store. Oh, that's interesting. So people are complaining, you know, like if, if you want to take this away, that's fine. But we've been asking for the ability to gift games for years now, and you haven't done that. And I, I get that argument. It makes sense. You can do it on Xbox. I know you can go and buy like, you know, a gift card, but you know, it, it is a little same, less yeah. personal. Well, actually, I've barely ever seen a digital game in a retailer here. Maybe it's more of a thing in the U.S. I think I've seen like maybe Forza or something on an Xbox card, but I don't recall seeing many games sold like this. Yeah, I think it is more of like a GameStop thing in, in America. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, think, I think that's just because of Australia again. Like people don't necessarily download digital games as much as perhaps you and I do just because it's way more convenient for us, but... Well, and also go. we have the, I'm pretty sure GameStop launches games at 60 US and that's just what they are and that's what they are everywhere. Whereas we kind of have that retail fight where JB says, we'll charge 69 and then Big W says, no, we'll charge 65 or whatever on disc. And Harvey and Norman selling, says, we'll do it for 30, yeah. but we won't have any stock. Damn that. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
If they sold digital copies of those games, I would probably go in and actually make the effort to buy it for $30 cheaper than on the actual PlayStation Store. But they don't, and that's almost definitely why they don't, because they don't want that happening. You can't resell that disc. Um, Yeah, so there's really no benefit. So if we had that, I could see why people complained about it, but we don't, so it's not really a big deal here, besides the gifting thing. Well, like, and I just, <clears throat> apart from gifting, I just can't imagine why anyone would walk into a retailer and say, hello, I would like to buy a code that I then have to go home and input into my console to start downloading. Like, and maybe it's like needing, you know, not having a credit card or something. And that's where people are, are falling over. But if I want to buy a game, I don't go to a middleman. I will go to the Xbox, go to the store, click on the game, click buy, and I'm done. So yeah. anyway. You know who's not going to be buying any digital games anytime soon? Who? The 350 staff from EA uh, who don't have a job anymore because they've just been Ooh. laid off. That yeah, was really harsh, actually. I feel bad that about was that. was very stuff. harsh. That was almost yeah. Andrew Wilson level harsh. Oh, but uh, it was a difficult day, Ben. Well, it was I'm a not difficult day, club, I'm sure. That was, he, uh, that was he what probably, he said. What's his salary these days? He's getting, what, oh, 5 million, something big? I think it's like... Oh, I thought it was like... 31 or something preposterous but uh facts ben. we deal in facts here <laughs> he is definitely 100 percent one of the top 10 overpaid ceos in a study that was released in the last couple weeks so, so we don't know how much he makes but he makes a lot and it make it's it's too much apparently uh so rather than take a pay cut and try to you know fix the budget internally they're just going to lay off 350 staff i think Excellent. we did ascertain somewhere that 350 staff were paid less collectively than he was alone. So that's hard to kind of sell that as a CEO. Yeah. Well, and they, I don't think they've had as, as good of a year as like say Activision who had some pretty decent profits and then laid off 800 people. Um, But in light of, you know, the EA layoffs, the Activision ones, arena net laid off some staff. Like it's just kind of bad news all around in the last couple months. Yeah. Bad timing. Yeah. It's interesting. Nintendo doesn't lay off staff, though. As um, far as we know. Oh, actually, I do know someone who's laid off. It. Never mind. <laughs> we just don't hear about it. Who knows what happens in the depths of Nintendo? Shitty segue, because I do know someone who got laid off. Anyway, not the point. That was a segue to Nintendo, Ben. Take it away while I lick my wounds. Well, allegedly, Nintendo's going to have two new Switches this year. Not one, but two Switches. Uh, in, well, the three with the current one, which we presume would get replaced. Like and this the, isn't uh, really surprising, I don't think. I don't the, think so either. Especially from a company who we've seen put out a 3DS, a new 3DS. A 3DS there was an Excel, annual upgrade with the 3DS. A new 3DS there was Excel, a new one every year. A 2DS. Yeah. And they did and the same with the DSi and with the Game Boy Advance. It was almost every single year. So we've had two years. Switch needs an upgrade, really. It'll be three years nearly if they come out later this year. I think the surprise is it's potentially going to be two quite different ones. So the rumors are there's going to be one smaller one which focuses on being a handheld cheaper to replace the DS, 3DS, which does make sense because that's really at the end of its life. Now that pretty much everything's out, I don't think we're going to get any more 3DS announcements. I lost uh, the my 3DS is, charger and I just can't, I can't be bothered even trying to find a replacement and put any power through it. I think I'm just going to throw it out or so take it done. to EB and be like, I promise it works. Just give me like 20 bucks for it. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get that. Probably the other side is a pro version of the, or basically a new 3ds style new switch. So an slightly improved version. I think everyone just wants a better battery. 
Uh, maybe better yeah. Wi-Fi because if I move, you know, my phone and my laptop into my bedroom, they're fine. They still have full bars. And my switch is like, no, too far away. So it's obviously got a dodgy Wi-Fi chip in it. Um, yeah, and I think the, maybe I think they fixed the Bluetooth stuff in the Joy Cons, but like a revision like this gives them the opportunity to fix those things to get cheaper parts that probably are better compared to what the original are. So that you know, you bring manufacturing costs down, you beef it up a little bit. It's kind of win-win. well. It sounds like it won't be much. So. The new 3DS was used by, I think, two games that could only be played on it. I don't think we'll see anything which is new Switch exclusive. Yeah. Uh, but no, no other games really used it at all. Like, you wanted some more games to use new 3DS just to say here's a slight increase, and no one really bothered with that. So the problem here is we're going to need games to work on Switch Portable, Switch Docked, which often changes the uh, resolution and sometimes frame rate and general performance. Then we're going to need a new Switch version. So developers are making three, potentially four, if that runs different, handheld and docked. So it will be interesting to see if they can actually get other developers besides them. Even if first-party studios didn't do it on new 3DS, why would anyone else on regular uh, Switch? So, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit concerned by the potential four types of game. I'm trying not to cough, and maybe I missed it, but did you mention that the cheaper, the budget Switch may not even have the ability to dock or connect to a TV? I did not. I think it certainly wouldn't come with a dock because that would shave off some costs. I think it would be weird to stop the Switch's switching feature. Having said that, they took the 3D out of 3DS, so they're not opposed to taking out the main feature. Very true. I see what they're doing, though. They're trying to make the 2DS... Remember the original 2DS, which couldn't be broken, basically? Yeah, Um, I didn't try to break it, but it looked like a brick, basically. I think they're going for that. They're going for kids. They want it to be cheap. They want it to be people who want to chuck it in their pocket. So I think it'll be smaller. Uh, and maybe it doesn't need to be um, TV compatible. So it would also give the more premium model a reason to upgrade. Like, you know, if you can still dock this cheaper switch, why spend an extra 100 or 200 on the premium model just because it has better Wi-Fi and a slightly bigger screen? People won't do that. If you want to play on TV and you need the better one, that's a reason to buy it. So I think they're not necessarily taking it out as a cost-saving measure. It might be a function-saving measure so they can charge more for the better model. Yeah. Potentially. No, I agree with that. Uh, Shall we move on? Yeah, sure. Excellent. Uh, Something that is cool, and I guess... I should have really organized this news a bit better, Ben. Uh, It's not a competitor to Google Stadia, but it also is something that will work in Australia straight away because there's no like weird tech limitations. Uh, Apple announced a whole bunch of things uh, in the last week or so, but one of them was game related in the form of Apple Arcade, which is an arcade subscription service that will offer uh, a library of about 100 games across uh, iOS devices. So iPad, iPhone. Uh, Mac laptops or desktops. I don't know. I was very specific about laptops uh, and the Apple TV. So it's like Game Pass, I suppose, but for Apple's ecosystem. So mm. I don't know if there's a lot of games that I would actually play myself, but it's kind of good news for more casual players or people with kids that they want to just kind of like play with your iPad and get out of my face for a bit type thing. Well, Apple is clearly moving to a subscription based model. I think they're doing an Apple TV app for other things, so not the Apple TV, mm-hmm. which probably means you're going to be able to play this on your smart TV as well, or maybe even, I don't think we're going to get an Apple TV app on consoles, but potentially if they really want people to subscribe, 
they realize it has to move on beyond their own hardware. And that's what Tim Cook's doing. And whether that works or not, we'll wait and see. Personally, I'm not going to subscribe because I already decided I have too many subscriptions. So in breaking news, I'm letting my PlayStation Plus lapse next month because I just never use it. I think that's fair. I um, think I'm right there with you. Well, I actually, I did a little bit of a stock take on how many subscriptions I have. So take away the real life thing. So forget like gym and road service and all that. That's a different kettle of subscriptions. Yeah, digital Just subscriptions. Digital services. entertainment. Um, so what do I have? I have Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass. I think those two go well together because I do most of my multiplayer gaming on Xbox. Actually, all of it. It's because I make you, but yeah, fair call. And the achievements and the much better control. Anyway, we won't get stuck <laughs> in this. Um <laughs> And I play the Game Pass games a lot more than the games with Gold or PlayStation Plus for a couple of reasons. I think they're generally better. And if I leave my subscription and I come back in six months, I can still play all the games on there. Whether with on the other two, you've got to effectively buy them for zero dollars every month. So you can't play the stuff that you didn't get when you weren't subscribed, if that makes sense, which is kind of off-putting. Correct. And the thing about that right now is that they're not good games it's been so long into the life cycle like all the kind of games that you would be excited for as part of the yeah, xbox Live or playstation exciting. plus have already been you know released or you know you're just getting kind of garbagey things now yeah so there's those two there's two on xbox already there's the nintendo switch online which is pretty cheap but i don't know if i'll keep that it depends if they beef it up although i will because i got a free month through another subscription which is amazon prime there you go Gives you a free month year of Switch. Uh, I only have that, to be honest, for the Grand Tour, but I guess I'll keep that now to get my extra nine months of Switch online and maybe to buy some toothpaste with free shipping. So there's a small perk. And depending on what you play, like I got some uh, Apex Legends goodies. and I Yeah, so that's through the like Twitch a- Prime, which is connected to it. So, yeah, there is stuff there. And free Full shipping on things if you decide to buy things from Amazon. Yeah, like there's enough with the True. Prime. I think that that's a, that's a good call then. That's one. Then I have all the video streaming. So I have Netflix. I have Stan um, and Amazon. So three. I have KO Sports, which is a sports streaming recently launched in Australia. The most expensive of the lot, but much cheaper than Foxtel. But when you, you know, I used to pay $60 a month five years ago to have uh, Foxtel and Sport when you thought that was expensive. But when you add up all these things together again, I'm well over that. Plus the game subscriptions. I'm sure there are a few others I've forgotten. So it's too many things. Something had to go. PlayStation Plus, I decided, was the most useless to me at the moment because I never use it. I've actually just played a few games on PlayStation with it because I thought I should try them before I leave them. And there's so many little indie games I got through it, and I just don't know what they are. Like, you start playing for 10 minutes, and a lot of them have all this backstory for their pixel art, whatever it is. <laughs> and I'm sure some of them are great, but they a lot of them aren't very welcoming for, you know, you've got 10 minutes to capture me, especially the ones that have, you know, I, I check the trophies. Anything that has like an 80% people got this, I assume that's happening in the first five to 10 minutes. So I'll give it a crap to that point. The ones that have like the best trophy is 2% and everything else is like 0.5%. I don't understand why you would do that. It's going to put people off. People will say you shouldn't play the games for the trophies or the achievements, but absolutely. When you've got so many PlayStation Plus games, it's a reason to try some of them. So, Well, and it's just how you prefer to play some games. That's like... Not exclusively, obviously, but that's I play video games for achievements. And if I have to play something, I'll try to play on Xbox because of that very reason. And I think that's Mm. as legit as any other reason that someone plays something. 
So yes, to wind back to Apple Arcade, another subscription is not in my good books because I have too many already. Had to cut back. And they kind of sneak up on you. You buy them, especially these ones like Xbox and Game Pass that you pay for in a year. You kind of pay for it and you forget. But if you really add it all up, you know, everyone's saying that cable cutting was the future. We're actually paying more again. And people are starting to notice this and realize it's a bit of a joke that we're spending hundreds of dollars a month on all these subscriptions. It was meant to be cheaper, but... Well, and it's only getting yeah. worse, like, especially if you were in America. So, you know, well, I guess Stan and Hulu maybe cancel each other out. But, yeah. you know, Disney's planning its streaming app. There's CBS All Access. If I wanted to watch Star Trek, it's not on Netflix in America. It's in CBS All Access. And I guess there's 10 All Access here. So I think, oh, it's almost one to one. And, you know, I would watch Titans. I love, I love my, my DC. So there's the DC Universe streaming service that i'd have to get it's just getting to the point where every decent property is trying to be like the headliner of whatever media empire's streaming service and it's just mm. it's not feasible to own every single one so no something that i somewhere. am annoyed with with star trek is that it's not the best quality and star trek to me has always been like fairly you know like highbrow you know like social commentary kind of content and because cbs want people to get the cbs all access app they've done one star trek show and as soon as you know that season ended people were canceling their subscriptions so then they went oh, okay well we'll bring back patrick stewart and we'll do another star trek with him and we'll do this one with michelle yo and they've got like 20 star trek you know franchises just like randomly spreading out of the ground to get people to keep their subscription year round and it kind of makes me worried that, it, you know, it's the same like core group of people like running these shows and, you know, scripting these shows and planning these shows that they're just going to start tanking because the quality is so bad. And they're being made almost with the specific purpose of just trying to keep people subscribed to a streaming service, which is well, and this is depressing gonna keep happening to games as it has to video, basically, because we've, Xbox has two subscriptions, two which I'm happy with now. But. I've ditched PlayStation basically to have the two of those. If I wanted to have both, no doubt PlayStation will copy this. I know they have PlayStation now in the US. They'll probably try and get in a Game Pass style thing next gen. Nintendo's already said they're looking at a second subscription for more uh, pro gamers. So if the $30 a year online and NES game subscription is the basic one, presumably the other one will have more virtual console or something. Oh, man. Can you work on your online offerings first before you... <laughs> Decide to do We've a second subscription, games, please. Games <laughs> well, and uh, you know, Microsoft said yeah. that Project X Cloud is likely going to be a subscription service as well, and it's going to be tied to Game Pass. So, well, I think that's smarter. But having, I can't have that's three another Xbox one. That's a third one. Three is too many. They yeah. need to add it in at current cost, basically. Even if they said Game Pass is going up by thirty percent, but it will include Project X Cloud, I could almost stomach that more than them saying it's an add-on for it. It's just, it's getting too confusing for yeah, one. I'd be happy with them lumping Xbox Live and Game Pass together and charging a bit more for it. I think that's fine. They kind of go part and parcel anyway. Yeah, potentially. Well, then you'd cancel out games with gold, so potentially that saves them a little bit of money on that so they can kind of roll in Game Pass as the, the future version of that. And it's it's cool to see that Microsoft is kind of I, I, I know every company is, but I feel like Microsoft's really future-proofing. Um, and we didn't hear, you know, that they're putting Xbox Live on every single platform ever, uh, like we were hoping they might say at GDC. But we did get confirmation that Cuphead is coming to Switch. 
uh, and it will it's very exciting with not like Xbox Live so much, but you know achievement support, which is pretty good, I think. So type of game Switch doesn't really have. I mean, they have a lot of kind of platformers and side scrollers, but they don't have that Cuphead style, real challenging, brutal game. And people love it because it's a great game, Cuphead. And I am terrible at it. I don't know about you. I'm not great. But I still enjoyed it. It was We talked about Sekiro briefly earlier, and I just can't get into that. But despite being terrible at Cuphead, I still enjoyed the challenge of it. So, And I think it would be great as a handheld game because I could never play for more than about 20 minutes. So I think picking it up, having a go, sometimes I don't throw it across the room, it'll, be, it'll work really well. I agree. And I guess the weird thing I've been seeing is people are kind of criticizing Microsoft for letting Studio uh, MDHR... I don't know if that's the right combination of those letters, but it is the right letters. Um, you know, like take a, an Xbox exclusive and move it to Nintendo Switch. But like, I don't think I care so much. One, Switch players will eat anything up. If it came out, you know, one year or five years ago for a different platform, they don't care. They just want it. And two, I think it's kind of actually showing Microsoft's new strategy of, you know, like, yeah, it's on Switch, but obviously they're getting a cut somehow because it has achievement, you know, in it, achievements in it. So they're, I think I don't know how it's working in terms of publishing, but they must have their fingers in that pie a little bit. So yeah, definitely doesn't have to be an Unless exclusive forget, anymore. It just has to be in, in in the Xbox ecosystem, and I think that's a good idea. Well, and the biggest franchise that Xbox own is Minecraft, and that's on every platform ever. Yeah. Granted, it was before they bought it, but they've even since acquiring it, they've released it on things like Switch. So they're not adverse to doing that. We're not going to get a Halo on Switch, but. <laughs> They've clearly decided that Nintendo is a partner worth working with. It's going to be one way. So these people are saying, oh, Cuphead comes to Switch, and I guess that means Mario Kart's coming to Xbox. That's not happening. Nintendo is accepting an offer. They're not putting up anything themselves, I don't think, at any point. Yeah. But it probably works for both parties. So. Oh, it does. And like it, it makes them look good, just like you know, offering cross-play options between Xbox and PC and PS or Switch looks good. And you know, Sony's kind of like, oh, we're we're sort of including it in things now. Well, you're not really. You're still being difficult. You're being Sony. Um, so there's kind of like that reputation building on both sides of this. I think it's a smart move. And I think people are excited to play Cuphead on the go. So, Absolutely. And that's about everything for this episode, I think. We've gone over our allocated 40 minutes, but only just. We'll have to try better next time. There was a lot of news, oh. actually. It was really bad. Like that's we put great. out the podcast as Google Stadia was announced. So good timing on our part, Ben. Absolutely. So we'll be back in roughly two weeks. We're a fortnightly show now definitely. when it works out for us. <laughs> fortnightly asterisk show. Hopefully. Thanks for joining us. Go to Survivor. Uh, you can find my stuff, Ben's stuff. You can find our social media links. Uh, that's it. Hashtag S Friendly Fire Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks.